Okay. So um, the last thing that we mentioned last week, as far as zero, we talked about, we, we mentioned two different sukkim. Um, we said, one person talked about the idea, meaning somebody who's a, a, a somebody who's scared is a sinner, right? And then on the other hand, we said something that sounded opposite, okay? That a person, that it's, it's, it's good for a person, right? Praiseworthy is the person who's always afraid. So what's the difference between the two? And if you remember, we said there's different types of fear. The fear, the type of fear that's, that's considered a sin is fearing things that are just not in my control, okay? Life circumstances that I, I cannot do anything about, that is not up to me. That is not something I should fear because that already gets in the way of my amuna. That means my amuna is already a little bit off. Because if I had a Muna, right, if I believe that God runs the world, everything he does is for the best, et cetera, et cetera, I wouldn't be afraid of those things because I can't control them anyway. What is the type of fear that is proper, that is good? The type of fear that is good is fearing that I'll do something that might get in the way of my relationship with Hashem, that I won't live up to my potential, I won't make a decision. That's something that is in my control. So that is something that I can be afraid of, so to speak, but not in a way that's debilitating. Afraid in the sense that it motivates me. Okay, to be on my toes and to and to continue going. So, what I'd like to show you today, just to finish up our discussion on Europe, on the sheets that I gave you last week. So, I I have a bit here from the Nesiva Shalom. We're not going to do all of it at all. There's just a couple of like uh, paragraphs that I would like to just quickly read through with you because I think they make some really important and good points. Okay, so um, if you can pull out your sheets. Um, so talking on the first page of last week's uh, Nesiva Shalom. Okay, so just as uh, an introduction, I'm not going to leave this part inside just because we don't have time. Um, but the Nesiva Shalom, the Son of a Rebbe, talks about the idea that Yira, that fear, um, is what enables us to like uproot the negativity in ourselves. Okay, meaning he compares it to building a house, right? If you have, you know, uh, if you knock a house down and you have rubble everywhere, you can't build a new house. And so you clear away all the old, okay? And once that's clear, then you can start building a new. So the same is with Yira. Yira comes to sort of help us get rid of all the like bad stuff that shouldn't be here, all the garbage. And then once we have that foundation cleared, then we can go, then we can move forward. <laughs> Um, and so that's why before the Jews got the Torah, this is very relevant, right? Shavuot was coming. Um, what was the scene? Remember, what was the scene of Kabbalah to Torah? Remember how it's described in the Torah? What, was, what did it look like? It was scary, right? It was thunder and they heard the lightning, I don't know, whatever that means, right? It was really, really frightening. It was very frightening. Why did it have to start with fear? For again, that same reason. God was sort of like trying to clear away all the shtuyot, all the negativity, all the garbage. And from there, he went forward. Okay, so if you look on the left side of the page, okay, the second paragraph starts with Behine. Like we described, the, the Siva Shalom described a very similar idea when he spoke about Amuna, which we didn't go over together. But he'll explain it again. Okay, the Shlema So a perfected state of Amuna is when it reaches three levels of a person. Okay, what are the three levels? Amuna tamoach, when a person has amuna in their mind. Amuna tamoach, when a person has amuna in their heart, in their feelings, in their emotions. And amuna that seeps into your bones, until your whole essence, your whole being just announces like, 
all my bones say, Hashem, who is like you? Okay, those are the three levels of Amuna. And when a person is able to integrate Amuna into all three of those levels, then they are perfected in that area. Okay, he says, The same thing when it comes to Yirat Hashem. There's an aspect of Yira. The air conditioner is not on. Somebody needs to turn on the air conditioner. Otherwise, everyone is going to fall asleep. There's an aspect of Yira that reaches the mind. Okay, so let's think intellectually for a second, ladies. Just on a very intellectual level. You believe that there's a God, he runs the world, he can see everything that we do, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's somebody I should probably like be careful about. Okay, let's just think on a very intellectual brain level. Okay, so that's Yira in my Moach. Just logically, it makes sense. Okay, then, Lamal means that, but a higher level of Yira from that. There is a level of Yira that reaches into the feelings of the heart. Okay. There's a level of Amuna that's higher than the first level of just the Moach that goes into your feelings of your heart. It's not just that you're that your intellect and your mind understands this. But the Yira grabs on to all the feelings of your heart. And this is the kind of Yira that brings to humility. It brings me to a place of humility before God. I'm like, wow. This is what I would say is awe. Not fear, but this is awe. Yes. No, this is Yira. He was just using Amuna as like a paradigm. That was the first time he used this example or this, this breakdown of the Amuna like integrates into these three levels. And he said, Yira is the same thing. Just like Amuna can be on these three levels, so is Yira. Okay. Um, okay, but who Alpima Maran Harabi Kubrin, the Kutayagin Minish, the Bayak, the Shon Harama? He brings out of the Shokan Arth, Kishayasima Adam Elibo. When a person is able to have that sense that God is above me and he sees everything that I do, so automatically there's going to be a sense of awe. Not necessarily fear per se, but awe, like, oh my God, like God can see everything. Whoa, okay? So the Rav said, this Pasuk says, it's only when a person feels this in their heart, not when they feel this or sense this in their mind. When they feel this in their heart, it's going to lead to this place of, oh my gosh, Hashem knows everything. Like, I'm in awe. That's going to lead to humility. Number three. So not only are we talking about being in your moach, not only talking about yira in your heart, but now we're also talking about yira that goes even further. This goes into my body almost. It goes into all my physical desires. It goes into every part of me. 
Meaning, I have such a consciousness for whom I stand that even my like base desires are on guard. Okay, which is not an easy level to be at. Okay, so means everything is in fear. Like, can I do this? Does God want me to do this? Is this going to make him happy? Okay, it comes different stories about Hasidim who, again, their bodies would almost tremble because they felt it literally. When you say when you feel something in your bones, you know that it's gotten all the way in, okay? Like the cold in an Israeli winter, right? It gets into your bones. Okay, so that's where we want the Yira to eventually go. Okay, so if you turn the page, the next to the back or whatever. So um, at the bottom, the, the, at the last paragraph on, on uh, the first column, Okay, So it's kind of hopefully brings up some of the things we spoke about last week as well. Does anybody see where I am? What did you say, Moloch? Moloch is mine, not my brain. Technically, Moloch is my brain. Okay, so there So there's a level of yira that comes from love. I'm afraid that it's going to blemish the love that I have between me and God, and the love that God has for me. This is the type of year that brings to closeness. Why? Because I'm always worried that I'm going to become distant. So this is a different type of fear. I Meaning, this isn't a fear like God, please don't kill me, please don't kill me, which I think is like a fear that a lot, like that's a very low level era. Okay, we're not talking about that. We're talking about already like, I am, think about your relationship with a person, right? I love this person so much. I'm so, sometimes I get nervous. Like I don't want to say something or do something that could possibly hinder or blemish that relationship. So that's what I'm worried about. It's a love born out of a fear of distance. This is a separate idea, okay? That was one idea. I mean, they're all sort of interconnected, but this is a, this is a little bit of a different idea, and it's also kind of reviewing some of the things we spoke about last week. I just want you to see it inside. The shame hashla. By the way, today is the the tefillah of the shla kadosh. If anybody wants to say Arab Rosh for children, I can send it to you. I have it on my WhatsApp. I'll send it to you. Um, anyway, in the, in the name of the shla. From love comes here. Again, I'm so afraid that I'm going to blemish my love and my feeling of connection. And all of my toil and my hard work is just to fulfill his, the rut zone, right? The desire of my love. And that what I do is going to be loved and appreciated by the person I love, right? I want to do things for you because I love you that you're going to appreciate. And I'm worried that if I do something wrong, that you're going to get upset and you're going to get disappointed in me. Okay. So again, this is the ultimate kind of love that we're looking for. The love that is born out of a fear Okay, so Ava and Yira really work together. Okay, it's important to understand that. So this is Yira that comes out of a, a fear that I'm going to cut, God forbid, do anything that's going to jeopardize my relationship. Okay, um, so if you go to the next paragraph, the next column in the middle, the, the small middle paragraph, I'm just going to do like two lines. Okay, 
מבואר העתיד של הספר הקדוש כי תיבת ראייה אותיות ירה, by the way, just ראייה, which means what? What is ראייה? It's having fear of God, 
And this is leading us really right into the next mitzvah. What are all the shadows? What are all the openings of our bodies, right? The enayim, the aznayim, our ears and our mouth, okay? These are all things that have to have guards constantly. So when, it's, when Hashem is telling Moshe, shoftim v'shotrem, right? To put shoftim and shotrem v'chol sh'arecha, not is he only telling him to do it physically, like technically, like, you know, in all the gates around the city, right? You should put shoftim v'shotrem, but what does it mean for you individually, every single person? You have to know that you need to put shoftim v'shotrem, you need to put guards up in all the openings, all the all the, the, the gates of your of your body, okay? What is that mishtar? The mishtara is your chamayim. If you don't have your chamayim, okay, then the things that you see, things that you hear, right? Things that you say, right? It's going to get you in a lot of trouble, okay? So we need to be constantly on guard. So he says, Everything that comes through my mouth, everything that goes into my eyes, everything that I hear, it has to first pass through the mishara that is guarding them, okay, which is my yirat shemayim. Okay, it has a checkpoint, so to speak, that it has to go through. I can't just look at whatever I want. I have to think to myself, what am I allowed to look at? What am I not allowed to look at? What am I allowed to listen to? And what am I not allowed to listen to? It's not just free reign. What can I put in and out of my mouth? It's not just up to me, right? There's rules about this. I have to be very, very careful. So my year at Shemayim is that which is going to be standing guard and making sure that when I'm trying to decide what goes in and what goes out, I'm making the proper decision. Okay? So the whole point, where do we usually get overcome? Okay? Where does the Yitzhahara overcome us? It's usually by these openings. Okay? It's usually by these openings because we've discussed, right? The Yitzhahara just needs a little opening to get its foot in the door. So these are the openings. And he knows that he can get it split in there. So we want to do the best that we can to keep those shut, okay? With a big sign and say, you know, meet the hara. You are not welcome here. Go away. Find somewhere else to go, okay? So I think with that, we're going to end our conversation about Yura, okay? Because we don't have a lot of time. And I really want to go on to the next topic with you of the last mitzvah, okay? Uh, the sixth part of the mitzvah, which is the mitzvah of Loka Tur Akhari Zabavkan, the Akhari No, I have two more quick points that I just want to mention to you while you're giving out the sheet about your Yerachamayim your also can be measured by the amount that a person is willing to sacrifice, okay? Let's say monetarily, physical discomfort, etc., embarrassment or exertion before you be begin to start bending the halacha, okay? Um, you know what that means? How much am I willing to like be uncomfortable before I'm just like, oh, I don't do this, this is too much. I can't help it. Okay, that's going to be your yarchim. That's what's going to be. That's what's going to be kind of the barometer, okay, of where you're holding as far as your relationship with God. 
Okay, I think that's a very, very important point uh, because if you know that something's wrong, you're not going to do it at any cost, right? If you know it's wrong, it doesn't matter how uncomfortable I am. If I said I shouldn't do this, I'm not going to do this no matter what. Um, unless, of course, you go to a lab and he tells you in a specific situation that you're allowed to, but I'm saying if there's no way out, if there's no way around it, then no matter what it is, I'm not going to do it. Okay, that's all coming from a Yarchemite. Okay, and the, I think the last, last point, just to kind of tie everything together, um, I do. Two, two more. <laughs> I have two more. Okay. I have three more for now. I'm going to make another copy. I did not realize I was coming. I'm sorry. Okay, the happiness of Ava Hashem is the confidence. Oh, is it four? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Confidence. Okay, it comes from the confidence of knowing that since Hashem created the system for us, then I can function in the system. Okay, and I'm going to be able to succeed. That is the that's the confidence of Ava Hashem. That's the happiness of your Hashem. He created me. He created the system. I know that I have the ability to, to, to succeed. What is the happiness of Yerush Hashem? Okay, the happiness of Yerush Hashem comes from being able to take control of my actions. Okay, being able to take control of my thoughts. It's discipline, really. Okay, Yerush Hashem is all about being a keyboard. It's all about being disciplined um, and knowing that I have the ability to control those things. That's what discipline means, right? Discipline. When someone's disciplined, right? If if I want to run, if I if I want to be in the Olympics. I have to work very hard to be in the Olympics. I have to be very disciplined. And I'm going to have to say no to things. I can't eat whatever I want. I don't have my own schedule, right? I, I, I have a, a greater goal in mind. And, but, but if you ask any, any athlete, right, who's going through that, they're so happy because they're, they know that they're, you know, they have a goal in mind and they're accomplishing that goal. So that is the happiness of the Arsashan. I have that goal. I know where I want to get to, and I'm going to be disciplined, and I know that I have the ability to control, you know, what I do, what I think, etc. Okay, so now we're going to go on with that in mind to the next mitzvah. Okay. The happiness of Abba Hashem, again, is knowing that Hashem created the system. Okay, and so therefore, I know that I have the ability to succeed. Okay, he, 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 he does not set me up for failure. He sets me up for success. Okay, so the last mitzvah, also comes from Kriyat Shema. Hopefully it sounds a bit familiar to you. Okay, does anybody know what it means? Let me say this one more time. What does it mean? Exactly. Do not turn after your heart and your eyes. Do not veer after your heart and your eyes. So we obviously need to understand, you know, in depth what this is actually talking about. Okay, that's very vague. And we want to make it more specific. Okay, so the first thing we're going to do is let's just look at the Sefer Chinuch on the first page of the booklet that I just gave out to you. Okay, you should not be swayed after the thoughts of your heart and the sights of your eyes. Okay, Asher Atem Zonim Acharem. By the way, that's the end of that sentence. What does that mean? Asher Atem Zonim Acharem. What is the word Zonim? What does the word Zona mean? Zonim. What? What you think it means, yes. Prostitute, right? Okay, this is a pretty harsh way of saying it. You are zoning after you're hurting your eyes, meaning they prostitute you out. Like, you know what I mean? They, they make you do stuff that you don't really want to do. They sell you out. Okay, so you need to be very, very careful. Okay? Yeah. The, the thought of your heart, okay, and the sight of your eyes, what you see with your eyes. Okay? 
עניין לאו זה שנמנענו שלא נייחי מחשבותינו לחשוב בדעות שהן הפך הדעת שהתורה בנויה עליו. We are not supposed to think about things that are opposite to what the Torah is built on. Opposite of all the times that the Torah is built on. לפי שאפשר לבוא מתוך כך במינו. Why? Because we're very concerned that through this we can come to heresy. אלא אם יעלה עלי ברוח לחשוב באותן דעות הרעים, if it enters into our thoughts, right, or our hearts, to think about things that are wrong, יקטר מחשבתו בהם, cut it short, okay, don't just dwell on it and daydream about it, just do what you can to like move on from that thought, don't just let it sit there, okay, וישנה לחשוב בדרכי התואר האמיתיים והטובים, and try to put your thoughts to something positive, to something good in Torah, to something true in Torah, וכמוכן שלא ידוף האדם אחר מראה עיניו, הפרסם שנת רן אפטר בסייסא ברעי, ובכלל זה שלא לדוף אחר תאוות העולם הזה, specifically meaning you should not be running after the desires of this world. כי אחריתן רעה וכדאי ביזיון וקטה, because basically when you do that, usually it ends in disgrace and a mess. So don't go there, okay? וזה שם דבר מברכה. Yeah, don't just blindly go after your desires. Ooh, that looks good, I'm going to do that. You know what I mean? Like, not a good idea. That's not how we should lead our life. By the way, it's specifically, he says, speaking about minus. Anybody know what minus means? Hmm? It doesn't mean gender in modern Hebrew. Minus means heresy, okay? It means to be a heretic. So, is specifically speaking about heresy, okay? Meaning that a person should not think about things that are antithetical to Torah because it can lead to heresy. But is speaking about zinus, is speaking about you know, illicit relationships. Brings an example here from Shimshon. If anybody learned about Samson, got himself into a bit of trouble, he saw a pretty lady, not a good ending to that story. Okay. Shorash Mitzvah, what are the roots of this mitzvah? He said, Nikla, it's revealed, it's obvious. If a person follows this formula, then they will not sin. This is a very um, foundational mitzvah in our religion. He said, our bad thoughts are what we call an avtumat. Anybody know what an avtumat? We're talking about halacha. What is the avtumat? What is an av? The source, the father of the tumat. What, I'm just out of curiosity, right? What is that usually in halacha? I know, but what is, what is the ultimate source of impurity? Yeah. A dead body. Okay, that's the avhatum. That's actually the avi avotatuma. That is like the epitome of tuma. So we said thoughts, bad thoughts are the avhatuma, meaning they're like the source of tuma. And then the actions are like their children. Okay, meaning what? If a person would die before they had children, they don't have children. So meaning what? You don't have those bad thoughts. You're not going to do bad things. They're, they're not going to give birth. Because when we have negative thoughts, it usually ends up giving birth, so to speak, to bad actions. So if you don't have those bad thoughts to begin with, then you won't have to worry about not having the bad actions. In faith, this is the this is the preventative measure. Shoresh, source, the root that every all good things come from. It should be a precious, like a uh, verse or adage in your mouth. Everybody's learned this before, right? You know, when you do an Avera, it what? 
give birth, it springs, it springs into another Avera. Or mitzvah or mitzvah, well, when you do a mitzvah, it kind of rolls itself into another mitzvah. If you give in, I'll just do it this once. How many times have we said that, right? I'll just do it this once. I'm just going to do it this once. It's never just once. It, it makes it a lot easier to give in the next time. And if you're able to be a gibor, right, a strong person on this earth, and you're able to conquer your yetzer, and you're able to close your eyes from seeing bad one time, it's going to be that much easier for you to do it again. Why? He's comparing it to, again, when a person, let's say, uh, is a drinker, right? You drink once, right? If you're going to have one drink, it's going to be hard to say no to the next drink. And I think that the rule of thumb, psychologically, is that usually um, it takes, now, it, it, it takes more for me to be satisfied, right? Once my tolerance goes up, right, when I start drinking or when I'm taking drugs or whatever it is, I don't just get high right away or I don't get drunk right away. Now I need more to satiate myself. Okay, somebody who is a, a, a guzzler, they're never going to be satiated with wine. And they're always going to have a big type of it. They're always going to have a desire for it. As I said, the more you get used to it, the more your tava grows, your desire gets bigger. Instead of drinking a, a, a bottle of you know, a glass shot of whiskey or a, or a beer or whatever, if I take a cup of wine, you can almost picture it. It's like pouring out, like pouring the water on the fire and the fire just kind of goes out, right? You have that desire, you have that desire, and it sounds amazing and it's really, pour that water on it, psh, the whole thing just fizzles out, okay? So it, it helps to quell by not giving in to your desire, even one time. So any person who habituates himself into constantly giving in to his desires, his Yisahar is just going to get stronger and stronger. Again, it's going to bring you down to a place where you're just going to feel terrible about yourself. It's going to lead you down into a no good place. The laws of this mitzvah are short, he said. This mitzvah applies every time, all time, all the time, to males, to females. Anybody who transgresses this by thinking about things that we discussed, that are going to cause a person to think about things outside of Torah, outside of proper things. You know, taking a philosophy class, right? Taking a, a philosophy class with somebody who you know is, a, is not, a, you know, a, a Torah Jew, right? That you can ask people. There are people out there who went in, maybe they were a little confused to start with, but they came out completely confused, okay? Like, Putting yourself in a situation where you're going to be thinking about things that are very antithetical to Torah, they start raising questions, all kinds of philosophical questions. I'm not talking even about a religion class. I'm talking about a philosophy class. They start raising all kinds of questions, and all of a sudden, you're thinking about things like, wait a minute, 
maybe he has a point, right? That's very problematic, okay, for many reasons, but specifically here, because you're putting yourself in a situation where now you're going to be starting to philosophize and think about things that are very anti-Torah. And also somebody who is going after their eyes, running after the desires of this world, we believe she having behind We discussed one second. We discussed before the idea of giving into of engaging in physical desires for what purpose? What's okay? What's what's the situation where it's okay to engage in physical desires? If what? Exactly. And if it's gonna lead you to a, you know, I like to have a beautiful shopping table, right? I want to have a beautiful home so I can have host smachot in my house and have guests and whatever. Meaning, I, I, I can be, I, I'm not just saying it, right? I, I, I mean it. Like, yes, there's a there's a point. We're not supposed to live on a mountaintop somewhere and not engage in this world. We are meant to engage in this world. What he's talking about here is giving into your desires where there's no spiritual goal whatsoever. It's just, it's not a means to an end. It's just an end in and of itself. Okay, so he said that's going to be something that is very, very difficult. Um, Told you. Anybody who is engaging in these worldly things without any, again, just as an, as an end in and of itself, every moment that you're engaged in that, you are actually transgressing this mitzvah. And he just goes on to say that you don't get a malkot for this mitzvah, right? There's certain avails that you get malkot for, right? Lashes. You can't get malkot for this mitzvah because it's not quantifiable at all, really, okay? It's more about the thoughts as opposed to anything else. So he, he ends off by basically saying that you can't really, you're not liable for this uh, with any kind of physical punishment. You know, this is something between you and God. Okay, Catherine, you had a question? Yeah. Really, really careful. It's the 
before you put yourself in a situation like that. Okay, I mean, I remember before I left seminary, okay, a lot of the girls were going to Stern afterwards. And the Rubeum were really nervous about them going to Stern because it was, it was known there was one philosophy teacher there who, I don't know why they hired this person, he was really, really problematic. And girls would go there and get really confused and messed up. And they were very nervous, they would warn us. So I didn't go to Stern, but I'm saying they would warn the girls who were very worried about it. It's not a simple thing. I know that this happens to people, 100%. They go to philosophy classes and they get really confused. Okay, so you have to be real. It's not the Torah that can't withstand it, but it's our small, you know, we don't, we don't know everything. We just don't have the ability to really, you know, maybe you can put Rabbi Manning in there or, or Rabbi Simi Lerner, you know what I'm saying? I mean, maybe they have better chances of withstanding that than I do, that's for sure. Okay, so you have to be very careful. All right? All right. Um, Sorry, just yes. One thing should be put in that environment and be all in that environment. What do you think? Do the best you can. You know what I'm saying. Uh, make sure you have someone you can talk to, and you know, keep your head on straight. But you have to just be really careful about it. Okay. So the question is, if I'm keeping the first of the six five, the first five is this consonant. But remember, I know Hashem, right? Amuna. What is this mitzvah that? Why is this mitzvah necessary? So I think this just speaks to human nature. Okay, because in the end of the day, I can know everything, right? I can really know everything. But that's not going to necessarily stop me when my Yitzhahara gets the best of me, right? My physical desires can still come and distract me. My heart, my eyes, my emotions, my feelings. Okay, no matter how much I know, I can still very much get swayed, okay? So that's really what this is about. This is a very, this is a purely action. This is a purely, you know, physical, practical component of, of, all, the, of all of the six continents. So this one is a more practical, like, yeah, it's very nice to know all this stuff, but now what? As we say, put your money where your mouth is. This is going to allow you to really do that, okay? Um, we have to recognize that the heart is really the seat of our emotion. And I don't know about you, but I can I can tell you that emotion is a very, very powerful force. Okay. If you're making decisions emotionally, that is very dangerous. Okay. Very dangerous. It's definitely, you know, your emotions, they're relentless. Okay. Your emotions are relentless. It's a very, very powerful force. When you know something, when you feel strongly about something, you're driven to just do with it, even if it's not the right thing for you. I think we can all relate to that. We can all understand that, right? You ever try to have a conversation with somebody who's just completely emotional about something and you're trying to like rationally have a conversation with them, like, just forget about it. It's like trying to trying to rationalize with a two-year-old and having a tantrum. I mean, good luck, like it doesn't work. Okay, so it happens with adults too. When somebody is just completely emotional about something, they're not, their seichel is shut off and there's nothing that you're gonna be able to say to change their mind. Okay, and we understand, I think we all know this, that what we see in the world can become very distorted based on our emotions and the perspective that we're coming from. You know, you, you put, you know, two children, you show two children the same picture, right? And each child is going to, is going to, you know, describe it differently depending on what their family situation is like or whatever it is, right? We know that. That's the Rorschach test, right? Isn't that, you know, you see just, if you have two people who can see the exact same thing and they're going to have totally different emotions um, on each one. So I want to share with you actually from Rabbi Zach. Um, yeah, here it is. Yeah, it's on the last page on the bottom. 
take Rabbi Sachs says the following. Note the strange order of the parts of the body. Normally, we would expect it to be the other way around. As Rashi says in his commentary to the verse, the eye sees and the heart desires. First we see, then we feel. But in fact, the Torah reverses the order. So it seems a bit out of order. So the Torah reverses the order, thus anticipating the very point cognitive behavioral therapy makes, which is that often our feelings distort our perception. We see what we fear, and often what we think we see is not there at all. Hence, Roosevelt's famous words in his first inaugural address, stunningly relevant to the story of the spies. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes needed efforts to convert, retreat into advance. The blue thread in the deep, remember, because what happened with the spice? What did they, they went into, they were, they had their own agenda before they even stepped into Aristotle. And that very much affected what they saw. Had they gone in with different eyes, they would have seen the same thing, but they would, it would have struck them differently. But because they had their own fears and their own agenda before going in, it turns, it, it ended up being a, a very big disadvantage for the Jewish people. Okay, the blue thread in the tzitzit, right, the tzitzit, says the Talmud, is there to remind us of the sea, the sky, and God's throne of glory. Tzitzit, the blue itself, was in the ancient world the mark of royalty. Thus, the tzitzit as itself a form of cosmical behavior, behavioral therapy, saying, do not be afraid, God is with you, and do not give way to your emotions because you are royalty, you are children of the king. Do you ever think of tzitzit that way? Only that is not with that, right? Okay, hence the life-changing idea, never let negative emotions distort your perceptions. You are not a grasshopper. Those who oppose you are not giants. To see the world as it is, not as you are afraid it might be, let faith banish fear. Okay, which I think is very, very powerful. Okay, so our emotions and our perceptions can take control of us to the point where all the logic of all the mitzvot that we learned already, okay, all the sources we learned, everything that you know about all of those first mitzvot, uh, they're not going to be able to refrain, help us refrain from, from sinning. So I, I, I want to show you inside the Rashi that, that uh, Rabbi Sachs just quoted. It should be on the first page. We go back. Oh, it's on the bottom of that page. I'm sorry. My, 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 my copy is different than mine. I apologize. Okay. So it's on the last page. It's under, yeah. Yeah, it's on the bottom of the first page. Okay. So Rashi says, just the end of the Rashi, below promote me to by the way, there is a very strong relationship between and the Miraglin. Okay, and the spies. What is the connection between the two? What Lashon, okay, we're, we're using, the, we're talking about the word Taturu, and it says by the Miraglin that Moshe sent the spies Latur et Okay, it uses the exact same word, okay, which is not even a common word. Okay, so the word Latour to, to see, investigate, okay, to, to check it out, is the same root, it's the same word as Tatur. Okay, so Rashi is bringing these together. So he says that the heart and the eyes are like spies for the body. The word he uses, misarsvim, I hate, I'm sorry to use this word. It's not, it's a little bit more of a crass word, but he, it's like a pimp, right? He, he's 
says the heart and the eyes are like the pimp, they pimp out the, you know, for, for, for Averro. Ha'ayin ro'eh, the eye sees, ha'lev chomed, the heart desires, ba'habufoset ha'averon, and then the, the body goes off and does the Averro. Okay, that were sort of pimped out to him by the by the uh, the eyes and the heart. Okay, so that's the lesson of Rashi. The eyes and the heart. The eye sees. The heart feels. Right, and then your body is just like has no no defenses. Okay, it's just sort of like okay, whatever. Just it just goes along with it. Okay, and then um. Okay, we'll read the Ramadan afterwards. Okay, so the question is, what's our hope? Okay, if this is the way it goes, it sounds pretty hopeless for us, right? No matter how much I know, like how am I supposed to, what am, okay, it doesn't, okay, so what are we supposed to do? So essentially, our eyes and our heart need to be trained. Okay, like a seeing eyeballs, anybody seeing over the blind institute here, you see a lot of blind people walking around. Wait, I have a question. Yeah. Okay, Um, I don't know, like, if you'll address it now or later, but um, the idea of like certain mitzvahs are there to remind us of that, like our heart sees and then it stirs up feeling, our eyes see and then it stirs up feelings of like wanting to do it and stuff like that. And then we, and then we're able to do the mitzvah. So like, for example, tzitzis, your eyes see it and then it draws up those feelings of like, yitzis mitzvah or whatever it reminds you of or like the kisa kavod. So how does that fit in? Well, it's the, meaning that that same, the same idea of the eyes and the heart can work in both ways, meaning it can work to our disadvantage where they grab us right and take us to do things that we don't want to do but we want to try to use we want to try to use that same philosophy but to our advantage meaning what, okay. that's what i'm saying now okay we want to try to train our eyes and our heart okay just like we have a, a seeing eye dog that is going to not let you walk into places that are dangerous okay it's trained to make sure that a blind person isn't going to go somewhere that's not safe so we want to train our eyes and our hearts um, to only safely guide us, right, to places that are good for us, to places that are that are uh, not going to be dangerous for us, okay? I mean, again, I'm not saying that that's easy, but that's really what we're trying to do, okay? Um, and this bit of Lil Taturu is really, it's teaching us that we have to always be a step ahead, okay? If we let our Yisahara be a step ahead of us, if our eyes and our heart are always running the show, then we're really in big trouble. Okay, ladies, it's important to understand emotions are important. Okay, no one's saying here that emotions are not important. And what we're saying is, is, that, is, is that if we make our decisions solely based on our logic, on our, on our, well, it works both ways, true, but if we base it only on our emotions without any seichal at all, okay, we know that we're going to get ourselves into trouble. And the, the truth is that the opposite is also. We shouldn't only make decisions logically. Okay, you, sh you, you know, you shouldn't just decide who I'm going to marry based on what makes sense on paper. Okay, there has to be emotions involved in the situation as well. There has to be a balance of, of the two. Okay, but we need to stay a step ahead of our eyes and of our hearts. Okay, and we want to keep us feeling and seeing things in accordance to Torah, right, in accordance to what is the truth. Okay, and we internalize. Remember, we spent a lot of time talking about this. That's why these are continental days, because this is a constant avoda. We're constantly working on internalizing these truths of Amuna and Ohiya and Yuchur Hashem, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, and that, you know, and, and and this is going to help us along the way. Okay, but if but if we don't bring our heart and our eyes along for the ride, okay, and try to get them on board and make sure that we stay a step ahead of them, we're always going to be dragged down. And again, that's the concept of Kashmona Nefesh. That's what we keep Kashmona Nefesh for. 
Okay, first one enough is just to make sure that at the end of my day, I'm keeping track of what I've done, what I'm doing, what is it, where is it hard for me? I have to be on top of it. I can't just let it get ahead of me. Okay, so now I want to show you the round button. Let me see like where, where I put in the round bomb. Okay, it's on the second, not the second page, the third, the last page is in the Okay, every thought that causes a person to uproot one of the fundamentals of Torah, he tells us that that's what we're being warned about. Do not let that infiltrate into your heart. And don't allow yourself to get distracted by it. And to be pulled or drawn after the murmuring, so to speak, of your heart. As humans, right, our mind is limited. Okay, yes, you have some people who are geniuses and brilliant, but by, by definition, we're limited. Okay, and we can't really understand things a thousand percent. There's always a leap of faith. I think we all know that. Belief in God is always, no matter how much you intellectually know, and you do need to have those logical proofs, and we talked about that, there's always going to be a leap of faith. But if you get someone sitting there, you know, plugging away at that little leap of faith of yours, that's where you're going to be in trouble. Okay, so you have to be very, very careful because there's just so much that we can know for a thousand percent for sure. And if a person is going to be drawn after all of his thoughts, he's going to destroy the world because of the smallness and the limited nature of his mind. What do we mean by that? Sometimes you're going to like go after idolatry. Sometimes you're going to be like, yeah, I think God is one. It depends on my mood, depends on the weather. I don't know. We'll see. We'll play it by ear. Mala mala umala mata. What's above, what's below. Malifnim umala akhor. What's before, what's behind. Upa'amim benevua. Shemahi emet, shemahi ena. Right? Sometimes I think prophecy is true. Sometimes I think it's stupid. Right? Upa'amim betorah. Shemahi mena shemaim. Shemahi ena. There's the big one. God is right. You know, Torah is from God. Tell it's not from God. Who's this rabbi who made this up? Right? Uh, you know, it depends on what the mitzvah is. If I like it, it comes from Shemaim. If not, then it's not. Okay, it depends. And this can lead a person to heresy. That's why the Torah warns us. Don't follow your, don't be swayed by your heart and your eyes, okay? And let them prostitute you out. Don't let your limited mind allow you to go places where you don't really want to go and you really shouldn't go. The Yidme, but worse than that, the Yidme Shemachshatom Asayatana. Ladies, what's the biggest problem? I think I really get it, right? I think I really know the MS. I think this is really MS. I'm so smart. I really get it. And so you're following along with your heart, with your, with your, with your mind, but you have no idea what you're talking about. You understand? Like we think we get it, but we really don't get it. 
you understand? So a lot of the philosophy, I can think of philosophize and philosophize, and I think I'm so smart, but like you have no idea what you're talking about. Most of these people have no idea what they're talking about, right? And so that's that's where it becomes dangerous. It's not even coming from a place of humility, it's coming from a place of like, yeah, this is the truth, and I get it, and I and then you start following along with it. Okay, and that's really very problematic. Okay, so that's why the Chachamim say, don't follow your heart, because that's, that's referring specifically to heresy. It's talking about illicit relationships. saying, as we said before, you don't get malchut for this. Even though this transgressing this mitzvah can remove you from this world, it's such a, it's really harsh, but you don't get malchut for it, because again, it's not so quantifiable. Did you have a question? No, meaning a person, you know, especially when we're talking about things that are antithetical to Torah, right? So I, 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 I philosophize and I think about it and I, I research it and I think I really get it. And so not only am I coming at it as like, oh, maybe this is like this, I'm not really sure, but it's like, no, this is the way it is. The eyes? That's the heart, meaning that's the meaning of, that's the heresy. No, no, the eyes is like physical desires, okay? The lady, the heart is talking about my thoughts. So this is um, talking about, again, where a person thinks that they understand the truth, okay? When they really have no idea what they're talking about. And that's gonna lead them down a, a path that's very difficult, okay? Um, we're not going to read the Rav Hirschen side, but he makes a very, very, very important point. You can read it on your own because it is in English. Um, but I just want to point out to you that he, he discusses here what forms the fundam fundamental basis of our actions, okay? Meaning, that's really the question. What forms the fundamental basis of my actions? Is it the eyes and the heart, or is it Torah and Hashem? Because again, listen, if the, eyes and the if the eyes and the heart are the fundamental basis of my decision-making, what am I usually going to do and what am I going to not do? What am I going to do? I'm going to do things that feel good, that look good, that make me feel comfortable, right? If everything is based on my decision-making is based on my eyes and my heart, but first says, it's over. Like, it's only, you're only going to do, and there are people who, who live Yiddishkeit this way. I do what feels good to me because my fundamental basis of decision-making is what is my eyes and my heart as opposed to Torah and God. If Torah and God is the fundamental basis of your decision, then your decisions are going to be very different, right? Because I'm doing what God wants me to do, as opposed to, even if it's not comfortable, right? As opposed to what I want to do. Do you understand the difference? Okay, so that's what Rav Hirsch is bringing here. And I think that's the question that we have to ask ourselves. But we find ourselves sometimes sort of deliberating. Should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I? I have to stop and think for a second. Wait a minute. What is leading me here okay what's in the what is in the center of this decision that i'm making right now is it god and torah or is it my heart my heart and my and my eyes okay is it my desires is it what makes me feel good or is it what god wants okay i think that's a very very important um, barometer that we have to that we really have to think about okay um so just to end off because i know we really don't have if you could give me like two more minutes um okay so something that's very, very important for us, okay, is that, first of all, to understand the, the way the heart works, okay, is that any emotion, we, we, you've heard of, the, heard of the, phrase, the phrase, like, bleeding heart liberal, right? What is a bleeding heart liberal? Like a Jew, we say, right? <laughs> we feel so bad for everybody, even our enemies, right? The enemy is standing there with an, oh, it's a person, but, like, he's about to kill you. It doesn't matter. Like, we, 
I, I guess a good example of that was Shaul, right? Shaul was told by Hashem to kill Amalek out, including Agag, and at the end of the day, he had compassion on Agag and he kept him alive. And from there, what did, that was his whole downfall. Okay, that was his whole downfall. So we don't want to be firmer than God. Okay, we have to make sure again that when it comes to our Yiddishkeit, also we're not. We don't have misguided emotions. Our emotions have to be kept in check. Our emotions are kept in check by Torah. Okay. So that's very, very important, okay? And we have to be aware of not developing our own agenda, okay? Um, I would love to go into a longer explanation of this, but Revolva talks about what he calls the forma negia. He talks about being from, okay? That comes from him, okay? This kind of, and he wasn't using it in a, in a, in a complimentary way. The forma negia is basically a person who decides what makes them feel more religious, okay? And a lot of times it makes me feel more religious. It's my misquote between me and God, right? But that means that I'm, when it comes to me and other people, I'm not necessarily so from, you understand? Because, okay, well, why aren't you wearing, your skirt isn't long enough, okay? You know, I don't care about, I know what makes me feel from, right, is when I am, you know, when the, the mitzvot that are really between me and God. So you have to be very, very careful about that and make sure that we're not developing our own agenda in Yiddishkeit against, don't be firmer than God, okay? Let's just leave it at that. Don't be firmer than God. There's halacha that guides us, okay? And that's really what we have to follow. Um, and the best way to deal with our heart is really with prevention, meaning it's important to try to use positive reinforcement, okay, to get to keep us on track, to do the right thing. Um, you know, what is going to, you know, keeping my purpose in mind, what do I want to accomplish? Not going right straight away to the negative, but we want to try to put ourselves in a situation where we're, we're strengthening the positives and we're sort of like not denying the negatives, but we're strengthening the positives. Okay, I want to build an attitude and I want to build emotions that are going to connect me to Hashem. Okay, so the same passion that I might be using to do my Averos, I want to take that same passion and I want to channel it into something positive. You understand? I'm using the energies that God gives me, I'm using the strengths that God gives me, but I'm using it to build positive emotional situations that are going to help me uh, to be connected. Okay, and they're going to help me know what's right. The next thing in terms of the eyes, okay, is that um, this the eyes again, as we said, are referring to really the craving um, and a drive. And so, as soon as we see something that we want, the brain processes this and says, "I want this now." Okay, I don't want to wait. Give me this now. Okay, um, and so it's hard for us because we can't really enlist the eyes under the under the uh, the intellect, okay? And so we need to keep ourselves away from temptation. So this is really just very tactical, okay, ladies? If you know that you're tempted by certain things, don't put yourself in the philosophy class, right? If you know that you don't have the capacity to be able to really deal with it, don't put yourself into, you know, the party or the whatever situation it is if you know that you don't have the capacity to do it. It's a very, very basic, I think, 101, okay? Keep away from dangerous situations and also try to develop one second, Alana. Also try to develop spiritual cravings, okay? Again, like I said, that those same passions that you're using to serve, to do things that are negative, you can just re-channel those, redirect those, and use them in a positive way to serve Hashem, okay? So, um, you know, the goal ultimately, and you should know, the highest level of learning is what we call the unconscious, um, unconscious competence, where something becomes so part of who I am that I don't even think about it. Um, and there are examples given of like David Amelach, who would get up in the morning and he had in mind to go, I don't know, visit his friend, let's say, and his body automatically took him to the basement. 
for the Beit Midrash. Okay, his his love and connection to God was so strong that it automatically redirected him um, to go to the right place. Okay, so we want to try to integrate these ideas into our mind in such a way that it becomes second nature to us. It's not something that we have to think about. It's something that we really just uh, that we really just do.